All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Yo, 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 what's up, y'all? This is Fonte Fontigolo here with this week's QLS Classic. This week, we talk to the man, Uncle Charlie, the legend, Charlie Wilson, uh, singer-songwriter, lead vocalist for the Gap Band. Uncle Charlie Wilson talks about signing with Snoop, showing Michael Jackson the moonwalk, and other ways his work has influenced music and pop culture with the shabba-dabba-dwee-dwee-dwee. Let's go. This one was originally released 719. This was July 19th. 2017, long time ago, but still just as good. Charlie Wilson, y'all, QLS Classic, Von Tiglo. All right, peace. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. What's the funkiest letter? Yeah. A or B? Yeah. C or D? Yeah. No, no, it's E. My name is Fonte. Yeah. It ain't no other. Yeah. I'm looking for my Wednesday lover. Roll call. Suprema. roll call. I'm gonna lose. Sugar. Yeah. I don't take no crap. Yeah. I listen to the Gap Band. Yeah. And I shop at the Gap. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. If you were wondering, yeah. What was that sound? Yeah. It's just Boss Bill. Yeah. Humping around. That's disgusting. Yeah. And I'm coming out. Yeah. Uncle Charlie yeah. makes me one shout. Roll call. My name is Charlie. Yeah. Last name Wilson. Yeah. 
there's no other. Yeah. Let's burn some rubber. Oh, oh, oh. Suprema, sun, sun, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, sun, sun, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, sun, sun, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, sun, sun, Suprema, roll all right, I, I just want y'all to know from the top that Laia threatened us if we use Shabadaba Weedy in our roll call. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, another special educational extravaganza episode of Questlove Supreme. Yeah. Uh, I am your host, Questlove Jenkins, uh, and today I got Team Supreme with me. We got uh, Fonte Cool Cacalac Evans, yes, a.k.a. Fonticolo, in, <laughs> in the house. Him. Uh, we have uh, the mic master, Steve Funk You Up Frazier, a.k.a. Sugar <laughs> Steve. <laughs> okay. What? A.k.a. Sugar Steve. That's right. That's, that's you now. I'll take it. Uh, we can't forget uh, Boss Man over here. We, he's uh, William uh, Knuckle Sandwich Carter, a.k.a. <laughs> yeah. Boss Bill. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, we got the very lovely Laie Margaret, a.k.a. Clyde. <laughs> 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 Rounding out the team. I- our, uh, our guest today... Uh, I will say is simply without peer, ladies and gentlemen, uh, no words will really ever describe uh, the magic that exhumes from this man's voice anytime he sings. He's uh, he's basically the six-star general of, of vocalization of his generation, of any a generation. A few generations, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is. <laughs> Um, you know, he's literally inspired and, you know, he has R&B children all over the map, on yeah. and off the books. You name them from Aaron Hall, R. Kelly, Wanya Morris, the boys, the men, genuine, uh, Dino all from Caught H-Town. Yeah, yes, yeah. just name them. Literally, uh, these are his children. Uh, he's the one time member of one of the baddest funk bands ever of the 70s and the 80s, the Gap Band. Uh, he is still criminally underpraised, uh, still operating now better than ever. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the greatest Charlie, Uncle Charlie Wilson. Uncle Charlie. Yeah, thank What's you. up? Wow. Thank you. Man. I've been waiting for this moment forever. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it feels like every episode of Questlove Supreme is going to start with, I've been waiting for this moment forever. Yo, nah, for real. I mean, this but, is. Uh, thank, thank you for coming on our show. I'm going to ask you the one question I'm certain that you've been tired of answering your whole career, which is how in the world is Tulsa, Oklahoma, home to one of the funkiest people of all time? I, I grew up. That's, that's I was born in Oklahoma City, and and I think. Oh, was, I thought it was Tulsa. It was Oklahoma City, which is uh, eighty miles away. Okay. My my mom. We were just over visiting my grandmother. Her mom, and then I just she just actually just delivered right there in Oklahoma City, and we end up going back to the next day. So you anyway. just claimed it all, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I, I went to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, from from kindergarten all the way, and uh, to high school, and then went from there to Langston. But but Tulsa is where I grew up, and I went to school there, and it's great. How well the the history that I know of Oklahoma, especially the history of Black people in Oklahoma from the Black Wall Street period. Mm-hmm. Uh, to even now, like Oklahoma is one of the the states that I don't necessarily think of black folk uh, being in. I mean, maybe I'm ignorant of that fact, but I mean, was there a high black population even despite the 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 Klan presence of 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 the Jim Crow area? And, and 
was there a high presence of that? Like, how did you even manage to? Oh, <clears throat> uh, we had, we was, the N-word was used quite easily there. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was growing up, little boy, I, you couldn't go in. I remember this uh, running into Woolworths. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we pulled up on the side and, and I just opened up the door because the, 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 the milkshake stand was like, you know, the ice cream stand was you could see it through the, the door. Right. So I just jumped out and ran before we can get out. And they was like, don't go in that door because we had our own entrance. You're supposed to go in the, in the, the, the Negro entrance. Oh, okay. And so my, my dad pulls up so you we, didn't could get, know any we could just get out so right. we could go around there, but he couldn't. That's a one-way street, so he couldn't turn to the right. So we got out. And I just ran through that door, the first door I seen, because the ice cream stand is there. Right. You know, so I, when I got out, I just ran that door, and they were screaming not to me for not to go in there. But I just ran and jumped up on the the um, the stool that spins around, and I was spinning around, and and the white guy had his little white hat, white uniform, and and by the time my mom and them got around to the other door, and and they was coming, and knew it was gonna be something because I went in the wrong door. Right. So they was running, and. Um, Man, that that man, I think he had his hand back. And my mama was screaming, don't you do it. And I remember when I looked back, they was running. She was dropping purse and everything. And my dad said, you'll draw back a nub. And so he was they was he was getting ready to hit me, called me a little N-word, little boy. And, yeah. oh, man, it was terrible. I, I was frightened to death. Was all I wanted was a you know, milkshake. I, <laughs> right. I ain't know no difference. And so that was the episode I will never forget. And that environment was was always true to that. And oh yeah, growing. you had your own interests and 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 you, and you had your own, uh, you know, water fountains to drink out of. The water would barely come out, and the white fountains. The water was like a crisp and clean, crisp and clean. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a waterfall jumping. So I would just, I would, if this one didn't come out, I'd go to that one. My mom would always grab my hand and snatch me away from it. But I, I didn't could read. I was little. I just right. was, you know, this one didn't work, so I went to this one. <laughs> I it see. was not good, you know, somewhat. But uh, we had some uh, some pretty good friends that lived across the street, which was Mr. Reynolds, right? And um, you know the word, the, the name Reynolds, and so they had the aluminum and all of that stuff. That so we would go and play in his yard, in his his uh, factory yard, and and when it was uh, thunderstorms or tornadoes, we would go in. We could go in that basement, the underground there. When of course we would. So be the Reynolds in rap empires from Oklahoma. Huh? The Reynolds rap, the yes, that family, they're based yeah, out of home. Yeah, yeah, they had a. Wow. That's big, weird. So we're, we're now learning that all masters of the Soul Empire had <laughs> had the, yeah. their corporation to latch onto. <laughs> yeah. Wow. When He's, growing up, my dad would be standing in water like three feet, but we could use it <laughs> to, for, to get away from it. My mom would not leave the house. Go ahead, I'm not going. Wow. I'm not going to stand in the water. She was pretty, uh, very outspoken, but she wouldn't do it. Were you guys, was it a musical household, musical oh, environment? Oh, yeah. My mom played piano, and she taught us all how to play everything. So you yeah. actually play, you play piano as well? Yeah, that was the first thing I learned was that. Oh, wow. And of course, you know, drums in church. <laughs> so your your main weapon of choice was piano and drums? or mm. Okay. So as far as like, it's it's just you and your three brothers in the household, or did you have more siblings I have besides your... I have a sister. Okay. She was there too. It's four of us. Okay. Mm. All together. Um, so what was the, the, at least the band environment in your high school or your, your, your school period? What was, what was that into? Man, 
and band, we were, you know, of course, my oldest brother went first. He was through all of the schools first, and it was my sister to, to follow him through all of the schools. Your and brother then, Ronnie, correct? Ronnie was there, and then my sister Loretta was second. Okay. Then I was third, you know, so that already set precedence of, you know, there was a musical family. So when I got there, it was, you Wilson? Oh, you can sing? It was just, oh, yeah, just come <laughs> on here, there's a microphone. And it was just like, I just was just like that. And you ended up being a pet, you know, like the, you know, the class pet, the teacher's favorite or whatever, and let him sing. And, you know, so it was like that all the way through school. And, um, but when I got there, it was, uh, you know, I had some friends who were very gifted and talented as well. So we would form our own little group and, um, and man, we was pretty, pretty, it was ingenious. Was there, was there a black radio presence in Oklahoma? At that time, no. So how did you, I mean, because you, your, your voice is, I mean, you just automatically assume that you literally came out the womb being <laughs> raised and braised and, and, and smothered <laughs> in soul. But in Oklahoma, how did you receive your education and information? Well, first of all, my mom sang better than me at that time. You know, I was... She had chops to, to wiggle her voice any kind of way, and so when I first heard Little Stevie Wonder, I thought it was a girl, and I said, "Hey, Mom, let me sing. I can beat her. <laughs> <laughs> I can beat her, Mom. I, I, I swear I can beat her." She said, "Boy, go sit down. You ain't beat no girl. You ain't beat no." And then I found out it wasn't a girl. It was, a, it was a Little Stevie Wonder. But I was like, "I can do that. I can do that." She was like, "You're not singing the blues up in here." So, you know, so it was. <clears throat> it was. Uh, we went next door to hear the records of uh, all of Sam Cooke, Harry Belafonte, anything that was going on. Because at that time, you know, it was just one chart. Right. And it was one radio. And James Brown, everybody was, if you got on that chart, that means you was a, a superstar. It was like no black radio, no, it was just one radio and one chart. And all of the the big artists was on coming on down that radio station, you know, white or a black. pop radio station. It basically. was like pop. So, was it. So you're saying that you're... Parents forbade you to sing secular music in the household? No, you couldn't do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> we had to go next door. My dad is a preacher. My mom was a state minister of music. And you know, it's not, you're not doing that in here. Wow. <clears throat> so what could you listen to? What would they let you well, listen to in the house? we didn't really have any, you know, wasn't too much to listen to. I mean, we have had a record player. We'd hear some Mahalia Jackson. I'd hear some Shirley Caesar or something, you know, something like that. And, of course, I'd be next door and listening to uh, what I want to listen to because <laughs> <laughs> they, were the, uh, they, were, they weren't in church over there. So I could go over there and, and, uh, and listen to whatever I wanted to, them shiny records and, and you know. So I had a great time, man. It was, it was good and upgrement the, the we we break, brought up really good and and the music scene was <clears throat> like I say next door was just just great for me because I could hear anything that that was on the radio okay so besides uh I know Leon Russell is from the area mm. but um was there I know that you guys you were his band at one point correct yes so how did that partnership come about well <laughs> We were playing this club, I think it was about 50, may hold about 50 people, and um, we was playing late nights. We start about 11, 12 o'clock, and leave out at about 5 o'clock in the morning. So it was, and they came in the club one night, and I was like, who was the white boys back there? Just because, just like, you know. And, um, and they was back there partying, and um, and, and then nobody seemed to know who they were. And um, then the next weekend, they came back, all hair, all slick, and, Sitting up straight, mm -hmm. <laughs> so they wasn't drunk this weekend. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so I went to the table. and said, "You want to meet Leon Russell?" I was like, "Yeah, where's he at?" He's like, "Right here." And I was like, 
why is his hair combed and so easy? Right, <laughs> right. He's sober. <laughs> so I asked him why was uh why you you came last week? You guys were pretty drunk. He said, "Well, we was drunk. We just want to make sure we heard what we heard last week. Oh, I heard it that it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> it wasn't a fluke. That we wasn't drunk. So when I said, so what'd you think?' He said, "We heard exactly what we heard last week. It's just great." So, so were you performing as the Gap Band by that yeah. point? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so he didn't too much like that name, though. He was trying to make us change it. What year was that? Though? I was in the early seventies, sometime. I think seventy one, seventy two, somewhere in there. Okay. So yeah, this is like right when. A song for you was just starting to yeah, it was somewhere now, but so he, we, he was starting to make a name for himself. Mm -hmm, we were, and uh, he just sort of like um, we said, you want to go to the studio? So we went to the studio and uh, um, and checked him out. We played a little bit. It was you know quite late. We was just you know recorded to about ten, eleven, something like that, and went finally went home, went to sleep. But and uh, he had a show coming up, and he invited us to the show, and I went to see his, his show and. And uh, he, after the show, he said, what'd you think? I said, man, your band weak. My band to kick your band. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, he said, really? I was like, yeah. So he says, okay. He went to the studio, and he says, well, follow me over to the studio. He gave us about, I don't know, five or six albums here. We'll learn these albums. Learn this I said, what songs? Every one of them on all of the albums. But see, pre previously he had told us which was what was the greatest things, the beginnings. It's the beginnings and the endings of songs, what people remember. They won't know what's in the middle. Whatever, if you can get them in the, in the front, then you got them. So what we did is we just learned all of the intros of all of the songs. <laughs> no, no bridges? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just, just stopped playing doing the bridge. We just followed him wherever he went. You know, we was fast enough to follow him. But right. And so he started off on one song, and then he went to a whole different album, and we just like and had the keys that so, and so when he when he started playing these different keys, we just followed looked and followed his intros, and then then he just stopped and looked at the site. You got to be kidding me! It's like man, what else you want to do? He said, oh, nothing. I'm good. He said, so let me can I ask you a question. I said, yeah. He said, can I put a drummer with your band, and can I put another guitar with your band? I said, let's go. And so he fired his other band, and then we was there and, and uh, just killing, killing. Really, and you yeah. were on keys for that. For that I was band. on keys, and I was up dancing, which he didn't like a lot. Cause I was, <laughs> I was by that. I was dangerous. I was young, twenty-one, fast feet, and 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 <laughs> and jumping on his piano. I would break all his his hip and steel, um, the 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 microphones, and I would jump up on his piano jump down doing a split and all kind of crazy stuff. And, <laughs> and he started taking the songs away from me, and because um, I was stealing the show. That's similar to uh, Jimi Hendrix still in the spotlight from uh, Little Richard. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Little Richard's still like, nah, in the you, show. you got to go, bro. <laughs> I, I can't have that. Yeah, I was still in the show. Um, so how long was it until, did you guys stay with him until you recorded your debut record in 77? The one before when you went to uh No, we was, with, we was him. We did, um, we did one album on Gap and we did, which sold about maybe 16 records in the neighborhood. And then we <laughs> did, then we did, um, um, a stop all that jazz uh, album mm -hmm. with him, and um, and then um, and he wanted to he wanted me to to they wanted me to leave the band, and uh, and um, so they was and Elton John was coming out, and they okay. wanted they wanted me to 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 take go after him, and I was like, can my brothers come? And they was like, we just want you, and I was like, no, that's okay. 
so even then, did you guys like have a pack like we're going to be a band I, and we're going to? I did. I was I was the pack leader with that vibe. I don't know what everybody else's motivation was, <laughs> motives were, but me, I was like, let's stay together. And I was the only one that was sought after. It was me, and I'm the one saying, let's stay together. Oh, okay. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And uh, and I don't think they really, really didn't get that for so many years. Time out. Yes. You guys played on Stop All That Jazz? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. If you look at the yeah. album cover. Album yeah, amazing. it's a bunch of Africans on it. That's us. <laughs> Wait, that was y'all? <laughs> 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 I don't play the color. Wait a minute. I have that record. I thought... Yeah. Now no, I look again. I'm the one that's a little skinny one over him. That's me, closer to him. <laughs> Wait, I'm about to tell Steve. You wouldn't know it, Steve, because there's a bunch of Africans on yeah. the front cover. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that was him. No. That's all of us, my brothers in the band that we all, that was all of us. And the, and the white girl and the other ladies, that, that was the background singers. All That was all of us. Now I got to go to Philly to find that record. It's, it's no, in I my... have it. I have it. When, when Leon Russell passed uh, recently, I went out and pretty much bought the entire catalog mm -hmm. on vinyl, and uh, that record stood out. Not, <laughs> and not not because of the Africans on the yeah, cover, the, the music. <laughs> Yeah, well, tell the truth. <laughs> no, the music that that it's a superb. Yeah, it's, it's, a, superb it's, a, album. it's a great record. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, I did not know. Now I. Which one are you? I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm the one that's right behind him. The the most skinny one's right closer to him. <laughs> you oh skinny oh yeah. <laughs> I was young. I was young. I, played, I think that's me. I think that's me right there. Oh, look at the baby. Okay. All right. Wow. All right. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. So I could assume that all this activity happened inside of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Um, So where does the association with Lonnie Simmons come into play? Total experience, yeah. Am I I to assume – well, for starters, hang on. The most obvious question. I I know the answer. But uh, GAP, of course, is the abbreviation for Greenwood, Archer, and Pine. Yes. Why were those particular three streets chosen as the name of, of the band? That was Black Wall Street. And all of the black-owned businesses uh, were very rich black people, entrepreneurs, bankers, hotel owners. Everything was just black-owned and very, very rich. And and they had their own bus lines, their own cab services. They had their own everything. And on Greenwood, Archer was running this way. Pine was running this way, which made an H. So we was called the Greenwood Archer and Pine Street. Everything in it was just super Barbershop, anything you could, any business today was there in that particular area. And um, and they didn't need anybody or anything. They ran their own thing. And um, just, just, or Tulsa just didn't like that for example, to have these black, all these black rich people and didn't, didn't use any other uh, system, mm-hmm. didn't use their system. They had their own system. So they burned them out. So, so after that initial burning, did, was there ever uh, an attempt to resurge it throughout? time in history i think i've only been to oklahoma maybe once or twice they tried to rebuild and they burn them again whoa damn yes when was the rebuild it was in the 20s after they burned it ash they tried to rebuild again a few years later and just burn them out again as simple as that it's like no you it was it was too it was too um they didn't need the outside world it's like they didn't need the outside tulsa for anything they had their own community own everything and so that was like the help was being taken from the white world is what I'm trying to say without, right. you know, cutting myself up. Yeah. So they, they had their own system. The cabs went everywhere. The, their buses went everywhere. Uh, you know, all of the grocery stores, the banks, everything. They, had, they didn't have to bank with no, just they used their own banks. Can I assume that your parents and your grandparents and your, the my, parents before them, were they all in Oklahoma at the my time? My grandmother. Mm-hmm. My 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 mother was a very very uh, very very little child. She was born in twenty three, so it was around that time. So my grandmother um, knew about it really well and right. and told everybody. But she, they weren't allowed really to talk about it. It was like a hush hush. Really? Oh yeah, <clears throat> because you know that was too much information. Because the way they the way they burn everybody out and and um, it just wasn't you're not supposed to talk about it. Wow. Yeah. You could end up 
somewhere cut up in a sack or somewhere missing because there was so many people missing and they never found those people okay. that could see and actually say, you know, what was really going on because there was police coming to the houses and, you know, and, and just get doing away with them families because getting you know, away with it. Yeah. They're getting away with it. So it was pretty bad. Um, well, I know that singleton's uh rose that rosewood was was, was kinda, semi yeah. based on it i mean it's not official that was in but, florida though rose was yeah, in florida but he said that he borrowed you know bits of history from uh the black from from uh the black wall street experience mm-hmm. so uh how does Lonnie simmons come into the picture and you guys move into la it was years later um we actually kind of was so heartbroken that we was trying to figure out what we're going to do. Because, I mean, you know, we've been on tour with the guy. We was the band. We mm-hmm. cut the records. And we just thought everything was going to blossom from that platform. And it just didn't work out that way. And, man, I was just so heart, so heartbroken. And I, the band was kind of, like, just nervous. I said, okay. We went to California. We came out to Los Angeles. And uh, we was bumping around in there for a year, just – trying to figure out what we ended up um, on Tattoo Records, which was uh, a subsidiary of RCA at that mm-hmm. time. Um, um, we tried MCA, or, um, um, over there with Quincy Jones at the A&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was, um, we did a single a deal, and uh, we was trying to get with him. But, of course, he had, you know. Brothers hand, Johnson. He had Brothers Austin Johnson and all that stuff. Your hands was full. So we ended up we ended up with Tattoo Records and um, it's just okay, did okay, it was not that that much. So Tattoo Records was a real label because I remember when mm-hmm. Shaka Khan first signed uh, her deal with Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. At least for the first two records, Tattoo Records was on it. Mm-hmm. So who ran Tattoo? I can't remember. Um, um, but they had a deal through Warner, or yeah, yeah, I think so. I, or just whatever label would pick yeah, them up. Yeah, yeah, was playing. Yeah, okay, I see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's actually weird. It's like confession time. So, even though, uh, at least by the second album, with "Oops Up" being a national single, uh, when I first heard of you, I thought you were a chef because. There's a feature, one of your first features in Ride On Magazine wasn't. Yes. Right on was magazine. It? I was burning my hand trying to cook eggs. Was it? <laughs> Wait a minute. Pancakes. Wait. No. So, like, this is the thing. In, I mean, now, I mean, you know, millennials are, are very fortunate now to yeah. get, you know, a, a, a plethora of information yeah. on their favorites via the internet, but. You know, in 1979, 1980, you really truly had three outlets if you were going to make it as a black person. Jet. Jet, <laughs> Ebony, and Ride right On Magazine. Right. Yeah. I mean, occasionally black stars. They had a, what, sepia? Black Beat? Now, Black uh, Beat, that yeah, was in the 80s. That was in the 80s. But, yeah, in Ride On Magazine, they did this this layout of of Charlie Wilson in the kitchen, like, but like a very extensive like twenty photo of you know <laughs> first I take the cinnamon and I mix it in the What was he yo, making? I, he made breakfast. Yeah, yo, I I told my mom like yo I want to make this and like wait we had what, what was for breakfast? 
I mean, he made a traditional breakfast. I, I forgot yeah. now, but like I was doing the cinnamon and my French toast looks like Charlie. <laughs> like in my head, I wasn't connecting the oops upside your head guy <laughs> with this is Jeff Charlie, Charlie Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> I mean, he had a clean feather. He looked like Philip Ingram from what? Switch. Like, <laughs> you know, he's feathered out. Smooth, smooth goatee. Nice. I thought he was a chef. So, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Yo, the suit? You remember I remember the suit. I, I remember burning my hand, too. Trying to <laughs> I was flipping the pancakes, and, I, and my hand went too close to this. And I, I remember going up, and I was. <sighs> And they caught the picture with my mouth full because I was yeah, burning my pancake. <laughs> I did that. Yeah, I gotta give myself a rig. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Yo, for real, Yo, I like, burned my hand. The, I did that. Wow. See, in your head, you probably think like, ain't nobody gonna read this. Why, why can't I just talk about my new single? And yeah. get out of here? <laughs> See, Cynthia Horner changes lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. telling. Yeah, I'm telling. She did. So, well, I was gonna say. Uh, what was because I I know that in Los Angeles that time period, mm-hmm. I mean you could either roll with Clarence Avant or uh, uh, Dick Griffey, right? Absolutely. I, you know I don't know what Barry Gordy's vibe was. I mean I know that his sister Iris Gordy was sort of taking over the yeah. the reins of finding acts at Motown between like seventy five and eighty eh, five, um, and with Lonnie Simmons, so. At least, what what was the initial, like, how did you guys hook up with him? And well, it was me. I hooked up with him, and I, and like I said, we everybody, the band just kind of fell apart, and there was everybody after every, nothing worked. Uh, you know, the tattoo record thing didn't work, or, mm-hmm. and so everybody was like, okay, we was in Los Angeles a whole year, and you know. Those guys took a leave of absence, and I didn't know what a leave of, abs- leave of absence was. I, qu- <laughs> I quit my job. Okay. I quit my job, and so did my, my, my oldest brother. He quit his job because we was basically trying to do this thing for real, and everybody just, you know. And how do you, yeah, I was going to say, how do you survive? Yeah, well, how it's, 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 it's uh, do or die. It's, it's like, you know, man, it was, it's, we, I had cereal and water. And, uh, you know, whatever breakfast would be. <clears throat> and we stayed 15 in a one, a two-bedroom apartment with a lady who already had four kids. And and we were all on the floor. <laughs> <clears throat> one bathroom? Yeah, we was all on the One bathroom. We was mm. all on the floor. We was in the jungle there. And it's like. She must have believed in you. Miss Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> she, uh, she was the connection. I went to school with her, with her, uh, two of her kids. And, and we were. Uh, very close, and uh, and that was the connection we had in Los Angeles because they they moved from Tulsa to, to Los Angeles. So when we was coming out, we told them we were coming, and she said, "You come stay here." It was just too many of us, and I think she got almost got kicked out of her apartment because we was there. <laughs> <laughs> were y'all rehearsing in that apartment? Man, too? we played down by the pool and blew out the circuit system trying to get a man who owned the building a birthday party. <laughs> he come back, boy, we took my dang, 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 boom. Boy, he was like, get out. <laughs> you know, get out. <laughs> he was already mad at the woman, so that would just blew it. Get out. <laughs> wow. So that, that initial band, uh, I guess you guys yeah. had your first Soul Train appearance in 79. Yeah. That initial band Migrated from Tulsa to no, that LA. band didn't make it. That met, that our that band didn't never make it to no TV shows, no other records, okay. or none of that. So, like I said, I w- I met Lonnie and 
um, in his club, and uh, because DJ Rogers was there during those times, and mm-hmm. and um, and of course DJ used to pull me on stage and and let me sing and and stuff Word. like that. Yeah, the crowd the club be full. It was we was at the Total Experience Club, and where a lot of Shaka Khan, Dramatics, everybody used to play the Total Experience nightclub. So That's where Dolomite was filmed. Film yeah. We were talking about that. Okay. Everybody that was anybody played his club. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because I think even Pryor's uh, That Nigga's Crazy album was... was, was is that was, Total Experience? Was, yeah. yeah, was was taped there. Yeah. Oh, so, so it was a nightclub, too. Yeah, it was his at a night, his nightclub. That's the way he was, he was known for that. And... Um, <clears throat> Him and Dick Griffey were cool, you know. I also played. Uh oh. They were cool, but if you if you say him and Dick Griffey were cool, then that's <laughs> yeah. It was like it was it wasn't cool to that part. I mean, was he they, a nurturing guy or was he Shugnightish? Who Lonnie? Lonnie. Yeah. Lonnie was uh was. I I, I want to say in the category maybe of a Suge Knight he was could have been the first one but he was very a smooth one he he didn't uh, get if you got it upset he wouldn't hey come get you though they get didn't you. raise his voice he just took action <laughs> well the, the guys around him would because they, uh, they, you know it was like and it would just be like that but uh, we that's how we started it was from me and him it was our relationship that we mm-hmm. did this whole thing about. Uh, he would give me a contract and I'd keep it a week and I'd give it back to him and he'd keep it a week. He opened it and we wouldn't, wouldn't be signed. I was right. like, I don't know what that say. We just we did that for a month, <laughs> two months. And uh, but he was like, uh, <clears throat> man, why don't you come? Because he heard me sing. Right. And he was like, dude, that voice right there. And uh I won't say what he said about the other artist that was there, but he was like, dude, me and you. That we could make this happen, and I, I was just like, okay, whatever. I said, I just got to get my brothers out here, and so, and uh, he was like, well, how many? I was like, it's two. So he says, okay, okay go get them. So at the time, were uh, I guess like Robert Goody Whitfield and Yarborough and Peoples were they I becoming them. part of the family? Oh, I, so you I, had them too? I I brought them. I, I found I them? found everybody that was on that label. I did. Wow. It was me who got brought everybody. Yeah, he brought nobody. It was me brought everybody. Yeah. What you get for that? Huh? What you get for that? I, I was I, experience. Yeah, experience. Total experience. That's all you got. You ain't in no paper. <laughs> it was a, it def, indeed a total experience. That's what that was. But they were in Texas, and I and I was on the road, and I went to this club, and I seen Yarbrough and Peoples, and I <clears throat> and I uh, a friend of mine that was it was connected. On the total experience side, his name was Rudy Taylor at that time, Rudy, mm-hmm. Rudy Taylor. And I asked Rudy to get on the phone and call Lonnie right away. And he called him. I said, I, I got a group just, just incredible, and I think we should sign him like tomorrow. And he was like, well, I said, I've got to go. You can do it or not. But they, they, they're going to end up with somebody else. And then and he asked Rudy, Rudy, how good? He said, man, you know if Charlie's ears is good, and I'm telling you they're good. And they singing live at a nightclub. So he put me back on the phone. He said, Okay, man, you know, I was just tired of just waking up, so if, if they're good, I'll I, I sign them. I said, okay, you need to sign them. Then Goody came right after it, you know, so okay. it was all friends, and so I just put them all in there, so. You know what I mean is that? Mm. That at one point in time, if you had good ears, that's and all something took. sounded good, <laughs> that's all it, it was worthy of getting signed. <laughs> 
Like, not once did he say, well, you know, does the girl look good? Like, what's she look like? <laughs> yeah. Can I market her? Who co-signed him? Have you had someone that he passed on that eventually made it? or <laughs> He didn't have anybody. No, no, no I'm oh. saying, was there somebody that oh, that he didn't he want? tried to bring to the fold? That he that, didn't want? Yeah. Uh, no, there was nobody that I brought that he didn't want. I mean, he just, it's like I had a, a guy named Dorian Williams who who's- Dorian, the actor? No. He, uh, That's no, Dorian Harewood. Do, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, his name is Paul Williams, actually, but they, we called him Dorian, and he was- it was like Luther Vandross at that time. And it was like, and I said, this kid. But everybody, he didn't, he was af- afraid of of knocking, like if I was on the stand, he's, something was going to knock me off the stand. But I, well, I wasn't looking at it like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy can sing. You need to just get it done. So we did the album on him. We did the album on, on, on some other acts that I had. And, and he just didn't put the effort. Okay. Yeah, he just put the effort in, so... At so, that time, he was like rolling in money uh, uh, above above ground. So you know, <laughs> it wasn't okay. nothing under the table no more. It was all it was all up it was above. All so yeah. Yeah, he was like, ah, whatever. I don't want to do that. So, so I have to ask, how influential was Funkadelic's "Let's Let's Take It to the Stage" album to you? Because Any- I, because I feel like. You know, 80, 79 to 80 was a transitional period that was really hard for a lot of the 70 bands to cross over yeah. and to maintain. Like, you know, Ohio Players imploded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least a lot of the lead singers of particular acts have left for solo careers and mm-hmm. then the left the left behind group members mm-hmm. imploded. Uh, but you kind of just took the, the P-Funk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, or I'll say baton and kept it alive. And so what was was there any feelings on their end of of you guys sort of taking their their modus operandi and and actually running good with it. It was a couple of guys in 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 the band that you know if if say if you come up George would call you up on the stage and if they didn't like it they, they start doing the waltz. You know, and so George <laughs> made him stop doing a waltz one time. I came on stage, but I already knew what the waltz was because I was going with one of the girls. It was from the from the Parliament Funkadelic. So oh, I you used to go with Dawn Silver? Nah, yeah. So oh, I already oh, okay. <laughs> so I already knew what that whole thing was. But so when the wa- what's the waltz? Oh, they just like they oh, he's, he's washed up or whatever. And uh. so George would just go right over there and just like, don't do that, don't do that on him. So everybody stops, and I would just take the mic and just rip the place apart. And then I think after I did that uh, one time, they, they was like, "Oh, he's not, he's not a wimp." But see, we was on the road with, with, with the Parliament Funkadelic for years before we really had the hit record. And then after we came off, that's when Oops Upside Your Head was sort of bomb born. But the chant came from a crowd that was in Pittsburgh and, okay. and ourselves, you know. But they was chanting something, but the rhythm was the same. So we came back and put the Oops up. Side to hit, cause oh, they, okay. you know, they, 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 yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I was gonna say, so. <laughs> well, they was they was chanting something, and it wasn't what we couldn't understand it. So we actually chant chant the uh, the the oops up side your head, say oops, because they were saying gap band. They was I think they were saying gap side your head, gap band, okay. something like that. It was right. weird, but it wasn't. It didn't have the real the the perfect rhythm. So we had to go back and get that rhythm and put it to that. But um we were on the road with them for a long time, man, and um, and of course we was watching them every night, and George became very protective, 
and Bootsy and them, they came very protective of us and they made a push back and give us room because I didn't have no room. I said, I can't, I don't have any room to work. So George said, I haven't been seeing you. What you mean? I said, man, I ain't got no room. So they said, I'll make them push back. So they pushed the stage back for us. And uh, and Bootsy saw us a couple times, and then he gave us some pointers and stuff. So, of course, quite naturally, man, that funk that they had was infectious, and so it rubbed off. And I just loved them. And, uh, and of course, the, I took those, some of it and ran with it. What were those audiences like, man? It was incredible. And see, Bootsy was so strong that that he was kicking George's butt. Okay. So that George sometimes had to let Bootsy close. Really? Yeah, because man, he would Bootsy would stomp all over Parliament Funkadelic. And they had the same horn section and everything. So, but Bootsy's, it was Bootsy's band. So, so speaking of which, mm-hmm. and we kind of mentioned it, what were your feelings to Uptown Funk? And <laughs> how did you, because, you know, there, I mean, there, there have been think pieces on <laughs> these 12 artists could also get a piece of oh, the this song. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But you guys did it. So, yeah. technically, they had to give it to me. Are you a Grammy winner because it was a record of the year, or is that only for song of the year if you're listed as songwriter? Well, song of the year gets song. Is song. Okay, so it wasn't song. It was record of the year, so yeah. that's for the performance. It was. It was my, I remember my manager. He's in there now. He was, I mean, he, he caused such a stink. <laughs> that's what good managers do. He yeah. called yeah, a good manager. He caused such a stink, man, on everything. And so I think they was about tired of looking at him and saying he, he was good. He went straight to the top with it. And, um... And then it was like, then they just like, uh, well, we can't, we're, we're, well, song of the year, whatever, right. whatever it is. So they right. moved things around. And so my, he was just saying, it's not fair. It's not fair to the Gap Band that they don't get the, you know, recognition, the recognition of it. And so I remember that part. And so, but anyway, man, it was, uh, it was our record, simple, and they was chatting it. And so, hey. So it came to a quicker conclusion than the Robin Thicke, Marvin Gaye situation. Well, like, we got uh, paid for whatever it was. All right. All right. <laughs> He's happy. I do, I do right, not right. recall. Unbothered. Um, right, Mike? <laughs> all right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire. But when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, 
their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, ni- ni- 1980 also brought a uh, another, uh, what I would assume for you, a bucket list pairing. Uh, you singing background on I Ain't Gonna Stand For It with Stevie. So... I mean, I'm just assuming that this guy's your hero. Yeah. Assuming. Yeah. We, we can assume that. You don't have to assume no more. It was, he's one of my heroes. So what was that experience like for you to work with Prime Stevie? Especially when, like, I know how some artists could have, I've, I've seen artists ego trip and kind of shun out Other star. anyone yeah. that's, Remotely capable up, yeah. of out singing them or outshining them, and I always wanted to know because there there's two versions of I ain't gonna stand for it. The version on forty five goes about maybe eh, thirty seconds longer than the the album version, and I was always impressed with the fact that you you sang so disciplined when you could have easily just started you know mm-hmm. your your vocal ac- acrobatics. <laughs> What was that? What was that whole experience like recording well, with them? Let me tell you, that is not the version at all. That that's not the best version. There's and another the, one. No, no, the version that we actually did in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was coming. Go ahead. Yeah, that version that he did, he couldn't get the. We we recorded that version in Bollock Sound, which is Ike Turner's studio. Wow, really? And that version. With the wonk, 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 wonk. Oh man, that one right there, he had the thing around his neck to make himself a microphone. Right. And we all singing around him. That was the version. And Ooh. I used to ask him, where's that version? He said, I couldn't 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 get the version, the, the tape back from from Ike. Uh I think that's the um it was <laughs> what? It, <laughs> <shut up. laughs> I was looking for my gun sale. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we couldn't get that. He couldn't get that. But anyway, it was something I, I, I never get, got the real story from why we didn't use it. So he was trying to recreate it after like years later to try to recreate it. I said, where's wait, the wait, first one? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, oh, when was what, the first one? What, what, what year? <laughs> Man, I, I can't, now I can't remember the year now. I'm a little... Uh, well, it came out in 80. I mean, no, but it was in a studio. I assume he wasn't doing them between 76 and 80 besides... Uh, if it was 80, then it came out... We did it. We did it in seventy nine. In seventy nine, in the version. Okay. I'm thinking, <clears throat> uh, something like that. Because How did you guys it was a late meet? night. Hmm? How did you meet Stevie? Yeah. I met Stevie uh, from the album from from when I was with Shelter with Leon Russell. We went out to Los Angeles to mix the record. Uh, okay. Magician's Holiday. And he was still in the record plant, just running overtime like he always do, just right. in there. And he was <laughs> to be gone. And he was hour and a half, two hours. So they had the record, and this guy uh, Spike, who was 
uh, one of Stevie's engineers, he had heard the record. So it had told Stevie about this guy singing. So Steve heard the record, and then, uh, and, uh, and that was my first time meeting. It was in 70-something, 70 75, somewhere like that. But anyway, I sit out. He sit me at the piano with him, and he started playing, and he asked me, sang this, and I sang that, and he sang the part, another part, and we was going off each other like that. And then he was like, hey, man. You bad, man. Say, <laughs> oh, man. man, I like you, man. What is that like? What was that like for you? To yeah. get I was that shaking like a leaf. I couldn't even sing my part, man. <laughs> I couldn't even get my licks out, man. I was shaking and like a nervous, like you know. That was my first time, and we've been friends ever since then. That's what's up. Yeah, I just was just nervous, and um, uh, and uh, you know, so that was my first time meeting him, and then, like I said, it happened again, and. He wanted the Gap Band on that record, and then and we couldn't do it at the time. We was on tour. He offered to send a, a plane, a jet, mm-hmm. and um, and, uh, and of course everybody was nervous. I ain't getting on no jet. He trying to get rid of Charlie Wilson. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he had a fear I said, of flying. I trying to get rid of those Charlie Wilson, you stupid people. It's <laughs> like, what they think about it. We was young at the time. Everybody, right. those guys over there probably getting high and confused. I'm like, dude, he just wants us to sing on the record. Get out of here. So, anyway, uh, that next, uh, that next two days later, I just hopped on a jet. And uh, and then everybody followed me. And I guess right after that, I said, I'm gone. I'll see y'all. I'm going to sing with Steve. And so, I got back and did the vocals, and uh, but I heard I said, "Where's the other version?" And he was like, ah, "That's a long story." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I think anything involving Ike Turner oh, is man, a long story. Was bomb, though. <laughs> Wait, uh, you know what? It's everything's coming to me now as you're talking. I got to go back to P Funk. Mm-hmm. Can you please tell me the origin of New Spaceship? Oh yes, was yes, that yes. an old track? That you sang on, because there's no way in hell. And we're referring to New Spaceship on the George oh, on Clinton. the George Clinton. What George That's, Clinton and the P Funk All Stars, the awesome, the power, awesome power of a fully operational, operational mothership. mothership. Yeah. But they called it T A F A O P M. Whatever the initials are. O P P. Whatever the initials are. O P P. Dude, when that record came out, you know we were skimming through it, and you know I I I do the occasional ten second audition. And, dude, I'm saying, like, I don't even know if you remember this, Steve, but when we were recording uh, Voodoo with D'Angelo, it's all he listened to, man. Really? It was like a lot. Where did, <laughs> like, was it a track that George just gave you to sing over or just? Me, I personally I don't even remember. <laughs> You don't remember New Spaceship? Oh, no. I don't remember it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let me, hear it. Let me see. I, I, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is New Spaceship. Uh, I have to hear it. From the, the ABC awesome 123 OPP. George Clinton and the, the P Funk All Stars. <laughs> yes. Uh, on Quest Love Supreme, right here. This is one of my favorite songs ever. I remember now. As I've done for as long as I recall. Okay, listen. Let me tell you the story. You, are you ready to hear the story oh, behind the song? Yes, we are. Okay, listen. Yes, we is ready. <laughs> I'm, and that was my version 
we was talking about Sly Stone. So oh. I said, this is how that. Wow. So I'm going in. I'm like, we, I'm marking Sly, and we talking about this. And so he said, man, Charlie Wilson does a great version of Sly Stone. So I was, I was like, when I'm around Sly back in the day, this is how he would be. And that's where that vocal came. And I started doing that. So all of that. And they kept it? They kept all of that. And <sighs> then uh, because that's how we was doing it in the beginning before he got anything. I'm marking Sly, and then I turn do my own thing with the with the uh-huh. with the Charlie Wilson thing around it. So it was like, man, this is great, some great shit right here. I think I'm gonna keep this, and so he did, and I wasn't paying no attention to it. I was, I'm gone. I'm, I'm I, I do my thing, and I'm bone out. I'm done. What so, year was that? Do you remember? I can't year? remember the year. Ninety-seven. So you, well, I know it. That's when it came out. But was it an old song that they had put to out be, later? Or? It had to be. It had to be. Uh, had to be a ninety. Four or ninety four because I got Man, so many ninety five. But that shit sound like seventy four. <laughs> I, I know because I'm like it sounds like Jerome Bigfoot Braley on drums. It's probably, it's probably just an old backing track. I, you know, yeah. Well, we was recording it to, for that particular. We was trying to get something. He was trying to get this thing, and y'all got and, it. And we got <laughs> and we just started. I started acting like Sly. We was laughing about that, and uh, he said, "Go." How, well, how would Sly sing it? And I was just like, that's how I started. That's why that voice is sounding like that. I was mocking him. So I've had the pleasure of... Wait, wait. That song's from the 90s? Right. Yes. Right. right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Steve, look, all right. Steve, Steve was one of the engineers wow. on D'Angelo's Voodoo. So like during the first month of us recording at Electric Lady... D had the, the the CD. George gave it to him before it came out, and that's all he played for me all the time. And like, we were just wow, flabbergasted, like <laughs> flabbergasted at you guys nailing classic P funk yeah. in the nineties. Twenty years <laughs> yeah, yeah. after that, after that time period, I just, I just, I just was going. Uh, Sometimes I have a problem. Um, moderating of I, then I was you know you mm-hmm. put yourself you put just too much on your on yourself put too much on yourself and I I just never never liked the fact that the ad libs just they just want me to just just be oh, just just be Charlie Wilson well not well I mean I didn't, <laughs> all right thank you Charlie okay. <laughs> yeah it was like and so it was like okay uh what what is the what is the uh, What's the title and what? I, it was like no, you just you just you just give me some some little just stuff. Sing whatever. Here. Yeah, so I, I was just never like that. But then I noticed that everybody always liked that. So it's always either shabba dabba do. It was just always just go off the top of your head with a feel. <laughs> you know what? But this so, is the thing though. <laughs> it's, just, it's real. I'll be one of the okay. I'm. I'll, I'll admit I'm one of those people. That's okay. I took I took you for granted. Because the thing is, is that I mean, when you grow up in a time period and you just see all this greatness, you, get you know, you just—it's it. just that's yeah, just what just he like, do. Oh, he's great. So you—you've sat, you've done uh, the Fallon show with us like maybe three or four times. You sat in with us twice, and there's one point where you're—we can clearly hear you through the vents doing your vocal warm-ups. <laughs> and. We're all looking at each other like it it was the most it was like a monster movie like we just we're, we're at the vocal vent like listening to him <laughs> 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 
and it was how do you how do you warm up your 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 instrument your how voice. do you preserve like, your voice because like you i saw well i saw clips of you uh, recently to show mm-hmm. you to hear and like all these songs you're singing in the same key yeah which, when i was when i was when i back when i was young and that's still saying i don't we didn't change the keys for me and everybody used to say man my brother said, man, you need to change the key. I said, man, that ain't gonna sound right. You so play. ease your key? I am the, the ease my key when from when I was when we was younger, when I was in my twenties, and that's we wrote all the stuff in those keys and that was it. So I still sang all the keys, the songs in the same keys that we wrote all of them in. And it's like I said it won't sound right. My I might push out I have to push to get it out, but I why would I change the keys? But but I warm up. Uh, you know, then I do that till it till it's clear without it breaking because clear you have to there's mucus and things just in there. You know, did you study with Seth Riggs or yes, I did. Yeah, Michael Jackson, the greatest. Yeah, all right. I didn't go there very long, but I did st- study with him, and he told me I had a great voice. He was the one that gave me those warm-ups, and I never stopped using those warm-ups. And Stevie was going to him, and Stevie used to do a <laughs> with a note at the same time. Uh, mine is behind, but he used to do that. <laughs> but it was more, his was dead on accurate. Like Damn, if he African was hitting warm-ups? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so I, I would, used to try that all day. and, and um, why, why is Seth Riggs the go-to guy? This guy had this guy was phenomenal. Him and his daughter too. They were just uh, he he could warm you up and then he could have you doing things that you didn't ever think you could do. And I just didn't get a chance to go back. I was devious too back in those days, and so I I started doing a lot of other things instead of going to the vocal coach. And uh, but he was he was um, just the most incredible guy I've ever been close to. While he was warming me up, and he started doing things that I never thought I could do. And he so he would warm me up, and then when we got through warming me up warming me up then he would start doing these things that he was doing before I got warmed up and then he told me to do it and, and I would hit it and I was like wow he said see it's it's just an instrument we're so, going to get you to do wow. everything so from a non from me being an obvious non-singer barely talking uh, what is because I would think that if you activate your voice uh, for 35 to 45 minutes you might wear it out so you you have to get it in motion and exercise it just to keep the yeah you get it warmed up and then after you do the correct exercise and for thirty minutes then you can go and hit the notes that you want to hit the high one do you sing from your diaphragm as all singers are supposed what to you're do supposed or? to do yeah they come sometimes and sometimes were you initially singing from your throat I, but at the beginning and when until I met him and then he showed me how to. Well, actually, they taught me, told me that, taught me that in, in high school and in college. But again, you know, you're not listening to a lot of people. Right. My mom used to tell me that, and um, but this guy Seth, he was telling me how how you're supposed to sing, and and I always wanted him to come to the studios with me and and work on my verses when I'm doing verses um, uh, while I'm singing, you know, recording uh, vocals because he would do that with a lot of artists, superstars. Make sure the breathing is right going into the next phrase and stuff. How do you preserve like so like after a show? What's your ritual like after after a show is done? I have no rituals about nothing. 
Okay. The so you don't walk around do, with a, with a, <laughs> a scarf on your neck. I, and I, 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 do, I don't have rituals at all. And I'm, the only ritual I have is, uh, if you want to use a ritual, it would be my wife is the ritual. She is the ritual. That's right. <laughs> She's, and she makes sure that I'm warm, and she makes sure that I'm drinking something warm. And then my guy, Ed, Ed, Ed Temple, he's, um, he keeps some warm stuff with me, hot water and honey. And, um, and that's it, man. And uh, when I get off the stage... I do the wrong thing. I'm talking loud and I'm hollering and I'm going crazy. I'm right. going. It's never I'm talking soft. You know, I come from one side of the family who talks loud and my father's side, my mom's side talks loud and my father's side talks soft. And so I just that the mom's side, I'm just loud. I was going to say, this is not like a manual for all singers because you're, no. you're blessed. Yeah. Basically, you're saying it's the Ask Lord and your wife. That's what I'm doing. I'm blessed. Yes. 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 <laughs> so it's not an Aretha Luther thing where you have to turn Shut off the all air. The way down. And, yeah. and well, let me tell you something about, about air conditions. It'll rip you up. And it, if you got to sing, I wouldn't be in Are this Are you room. serious? Yes. You're serious? No, yes. Because this is the one thing that Tariq and I, Tariq is the, it could be the middle of summer. And he'll make the driver turn off the air conditioner oh, for sure. and make us all suffer in the car. And he's like, I won't have a voice for showtime. You're absolutely right. And I thought, man, that's just psychosomatic. No, that's whatever. Real. But no, backwood, that's real. okay. Tariq hasn't smoked in about eh, five years now. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay, listen, that is absolute truth right there. You do not, you want to have uh, the temperature in the car off or just at least 75 degrees. Wow, okay. At all times. If you want to sing, if you want to have good voice. Now, if I had to sing tonight, I wouldn't be in this room. Oh, you wouldn't? Okay. Now, it's I, too cold I, in here. I see, I but, see. But um, it's, you, it'll tear you out. You notice I'm keep uh, clearing my throat because the cold air is getting to it. But I'm just talking, so I'm, um, but um, it's not good because we're in a recording studio. Yeah, it's not. And it's always cold in here. Nah, you know, it, uh, when I'm in recording... I ain't, we don't have that. Mm-mm. We're going <laughs> to shut that down. So uh, we won't be doing vocals in that studio. <laughs> Not Charlie yeah. Wilson. <laughs> so by the time that uh, Gap in 3, 4, and 5 come out, mm-hmm. when you guys are really fully operational, mm-hmm. what I always wanted to know, because when I, when I spoke of the, the let's take it to the stage character, where you like provoking people, you're like, dance, sucker, and, you know, whatever. Yeah. What was your relationship like with your band contemporaries back then? Like, were there rivalries with Confunction or, or <laughs> you know, all these other bands? Like, yeah, I'm going to show you all what's up and, you know, that sort of thing. Every single night. So, in, <laughs> in hindsight, what was a band that got under your skin? Like, yo, man, we're going to take it, them. Well, it's like, it's like this. We were... It was confunction, basically, because they wouldn't put friends. Oh, I, I <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I was hypothetically just throwing a dart. No, in the because air. let me tell you why. It's because they wouldn't put fringes on their uniforms, and uh, it was like, okay, you know, we've been we do cowboys, we've been wearing fringes, yes, Oklahoma, but they wouldn't put fringes on their uniform, and so it was, we were thinking like, okay, they already, you know, they got the big records from back in the day and all of that stuff, but it's it's um. We were still like this, uh, but we were at, when it comes down to the stage, it was like do or die. It's, but the worst, the worst rivalry was Charlie Wilson and Roger Troutman, Zap and Gap. That really? was the worst wow. rivalry. Wait. wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Wow. Because, because computer love. Yeah. How? Oh yeah. 
No, me and Roger were like this. I'm talking about when I say tight, me and him was like this. I should hope but so. But the brothers, his brothers, oh, my oh, brothers, oh, okay. his uh, brothers and my brothers, they did not like me and Roger to be tight. They did not want it, period. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Can you tell us about Larry? Because that's that story. Of, of, that's, every, yeah. of every artist, of all the artists we've had on the show that could have told us Larry Troutman stories, we've not asked. Especially with, like, because I know that Zap and the Time had rivalries okay. as well what was it like with with the the troutman clan and working with them and it was great it was i mean you know just like i say me and roger was so tight it was uh uh but roger had the edge because he was using a talk box and so and i used to tell him is you cheating <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ain't singing all every night <laughs> so, and he would say no he was he had to he had talk box so i mean uh so he would say he just grabbed my throat like this. Trolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would also do tricks. Like he wore the the underwear that lit up and yeah. and he had other stuff. They did crazy tricks in concert. Yeah. He, so he, mm-hmm. why why is it that when I want to hear Computer Love now, it's I'm about to say Gwen Guthrie, uh, uh, Shirley, Murdoch. Shirley Murdoch, Shirley Murdoch singing your parts. There's two versions of yeah. Computer Love. Yes, and for some reason, your your vocals are not on the. <laughs> they come in at the end. They come in at the ad libs at the end. No. Even yeah, yeah, on the fade out. Why is that? Well, it's like this. 
<laughs> oh God! The, be- the beginning of uh, the relationship with that record and uh, the way they took, basically, they uh, I went had a tape and I played it for the Total Experience Lonnie and and it was like ah that ain't no hit what and so wait a minute so uh, I said okay and I think he was kind of a little upset going on clock. So so they didn't. There you go. (laughs) So who told you to go sing? Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, uh, didn't like it. Uh, I said, so you don't mind if it comes out? It ain't gonna be no hit. I was like, okay, we didn't have a hit at the time. So the record came out about two, about a year and a half later. Yes, it did. And um, uh, from the time I had got the, the cassette. It was a year and a half later, but I thought the record was going to come out faster than it did, but it didn't. And then when it did, it's just shooting up the charts. But they didn't want to say featuring Charlie Wilson because they hadn't gotten the, no, you know, so no clearance and things. So it's just me. And just so I'm on there. So it goes when it gets to like number four or three somewhere, they sued him and made him take my vocal off. Ah. Yeah. So, and then, of course, they had to scramble around and try to get another version. And uh, by that time, you in the top five, man. I mean, the record is already, it's out there, beast. And so they put the Shirley Murdoch version out, and then um, and it stayed there for a minute, and I think it just started on the way. Because people used to do other version. You just can't just throw another version. Hello. And it doesn't matter who's singing it. And no disrespect to Shirley Murdoch, because she was killing she the did. version. She, she married you well. That, that was, uh, but that version was already out. You know, and, and people so, already married to the yeah, first one. Yeah, married to that version. So then it started taking a dive. But everybody always knew that record. Doesn't matter when they stopped. But anyway, uh, the record ended up being such a great record. And um, <laughs> every time Roger would see me, if, if 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 he looked on the side and saw me while he was doing the record, he would stop the band. Boom. Uh, okay, this record would not be possible. Without this guy, <laughs> I got <laughs> It would not be possible without this man, right? He looking at me, and I'm like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" <laughs> without this man, so without further ado, on the count of three, I want y'all to help me call his name. <laughs> and so I would go up there and kick my own ass because we had to perform after that. So me oh. and him oh, put the wow. nail in the gap band coffin together. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> it, it was a rap after that. Me and Roger, come on. Yeah. We just slaughtered the place. Get up. Yeah. Well, you talk about Shirley Murdoch. Um, uh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the producer for SWV, Brian Alexander Morgan. Brian. Who was yeah. a huge fan of oh, yours. Yeah. And he talks about how his whole idea for SWV was that he wanted to take your melody and he kind of saw uh, Coco as like a Shirley Murdoch. Yeah. And like weak. He yeah. wrote weak for you. Yeah, week, took, week was originally for it was for Charlie. Yeah, <clears throat> because we already had a song was that same melody. We had a record already that, so he took that one and made it. <laughs> Dang, that was high. So did too. you catch that at in the initial inception? Like, mm, this sounds familiar. Oh, or, yeah, or, no, it was the same. Did record. he tell you in hindsight? Like, you know, know, I wrote this as a tribute to you. You are my high, you're my star. You're everything to me. You are my pride. So he did. What I get going? so weak at the knees. It's as a, a capital record. Uh, so 
I mean, I mean, the last one of the last Gap Band records. So, so okay. for total experience, okay, I think six, seven, six or seven, okay. seven somewhere in there. So it, he just straight took that same melody and just made it. I get so weak, but Brian wanted to uh, write for me, and we just never got a chance to get around to that. But he had great success with the SWV. Man, good luck. So <laughs> with Gap Band Four, with with early in the morning, and 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 you dropped the bomb on me. Mm. And very unlikely, outstanding. Because it's weird. Because I I purchased. I found my baby. Oh. Well, no, no. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm going back. <laughs> we'll come back to that one. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that, you know, at the time when I when I got Gap in four, I didn't realize that, you know, to me, outstanding was just quality quality filler. Right. Like, I didn't see it as oh, this might be the biggest single of his career. I was just yeah. like oh, it's closing side two. Hmm, when did you drop the? Oh, it's yeah. on side two. Let's get to that. Yeah. But. I mean, how does that, when you wrote Outstanding, mm-hmm. in your head, did you realize that this was going to dominate every two-step barbecue in the mm. history of black <laughs> gatherings of all time? When that record was, yeah, I went out, if we was working on that record, me and the drama cat home, when we was working on that record, I, it felt so, so, so good to me that it was like, I couldn't believe that the, the vibe on it, that was that, man, and had so much emptiness love that was there. It's just, it was so, you know, it was, had, the spacing of it was just great. And I didn't know it was going to be around that long, but I know it felt so good to me. And it was sound like the best record at that, when that album to me was, sound like that was the best record to me. But, um, you know, and then it just, everybody started sampling and using it. Did you, yeah. did you guys work on both versions, like the remix and this album version at the same time? Uh, No. So you did the remix in hindsight after the album was done, and yes, okay, mm-hmm. that's that's what I wanted to know. Yes, all right. I have a question about you dropped the bomb on me. Okay, so American Music Awards, nineteen eighty two. You guys are performing. You dropped the bomb on me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm watching this on a small black and white television. Questlove Supreme listeners at one time. <laughs> you, wow. <laughs> everything wasn't in plat. Wait, don't say wow like you're not no, part I have of my one. Ju- I'm, I'm just, I'm, okay. I, I'm remembering. All right, oh, thank you. I thought you were trying to disassociate yourself <laughs> no. from my age. Anyway. Well. At the last 20 seconds of that performance, mm-hmm. something so miraculous happened, and I cannot believe the world didn't rave over it. I thought it was you. I think you told me it was your trumpet player. Someone did the moonwalk. And I'm looking at my mom and my dad like, do you see this? He's walking. Like, this is this is a year before Michael Jackson did I know. at Motown 25. I know. At the very end. either Was it you? Was it? No, it was this kid that I found. His name was Baby Gap. And I named him Baby Gap. And, okay. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Because he's also dancing on Beeper Freak. Okay. Now yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe he had the same outfit on you, but literally he just grabs the mic stand uh-huh. and he does just the most exaggerated moonwalk, like yeah. even more exaggerated than Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I was like, how's the world not seeing this right now? Like, why? And the next day in school, was like, did y'all see this? They're like, it was like Snuffleupagus. Like, no one <laughs> believed me. <laughs> he was walking backwards, but from. Okay. Yeah. I see that. In a way, it's like I don't don't want to deflate Michaels, but he used to come to the shows and hide in the corner, 
on oh, stage and watch and all watch and watch and watch watch Baby Gap do it and how he did it and everything and but that told story was never never told. So it's all Y'all good. did it first. Well, thank you very much. That's a moonwalk battle then, because dude from Shalimar, he claims that he well, created yeah, it too. Yeah, I, I mean, he, yes, I, he did. Yeah, he he Jeffrey Michael. Daniels went to his house. But I, I'm telling you, if they did it on the American Music Awards, right. then I'm like, then they must have been doing it a lot. Yeah. And the yeah. world must have seen that. But they that was the first time I saw a commercial artist, not, not like a dancer on Soul Train or whatever. It was the first time that it was uh, uh, nationally and national. Yes, scene was by us. Yes, and we was the first at on that particular show was the first black artist to ever have pyro as well. Yes, and we had pyro. Another only somebody else had pyro was Kiss, and then they just were saying that we couldn't use the pyro. And then that's when Lionel said, "Well, well, why does Kiss use the pyro?" And the guy was like, mm, okay. "So we're using pyro." Uh, you ain't get the band, so it was like one of those shook night moves, and so we, <laughs> so we had pyro. It was the first ones to have that on American Music Awards. Black. I don't know if it's just contractual, or whatever, but for some reason, Gap Band Five is nowhere to be found. Like not on streaming, not on reissues. Is it? Was that just like a, in your eyes, like a stillborn child, or it's? Party Train was on that album, and it yeah. was—it was like some of the big records was there. And um, I'm ready. You're ready. <laughs> I'm like ready. A, yeah, it's it's, um, it's so hard to find. Yeah, it's I, I don't quite know. Oh, it's uh, just it's yeah, it's like, like after, who controls? after it went gold, it was just like shh. Oh wow! Is 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 Lonnie Simmons still alive now, or? He is still alive for my for for my knowledge. Yes. Okay. So does he still control the masters and all that no, stuff? I don't, like, no, he don't. So he's solo now. Oh, okay. It's probably through Universal. So now we gotta get to I'll find my baby, find my baby. on <laughs> Gap Band Six. <laughs> <laughs> Hit it, Fonte. <laughs> yeah. Um. So was I found my baby? Was that a song where was it like accidental? Where it's like you realize like, oh man, I did the same song already, or was it intentionally trying to follow up Outstanding? Well, it wasn't my idea to do that. But um, it was somebody's idea. Finally's like, give me another outstanding. Of course, and uh, I was like, like, you know that. And I was telling her like, dude, listen, that record's already too big. You want to? You don't want to fool with that shoe is big. Put your foot in that shoe. It's a size twenty two now. Right. You wear a size ten, it's not gonna fit. He didn't understand what I was talking about. But he tried it, so I tried it with him, and and uh. I don't know if you remember the video. Do you remember the video? Yeah, I remember where someone's kid was missing. They were handing out flyers. Yeah, to- yeah. But did you see the street version? I mean, while we was in the street doing the choreography, did you see the news clip when I got knocked out? <laughs> you never seen that? <laughs> yeah, pull it up. Boy, I see. I remember it long ago on video jukebox. Wait, you got knocked out? Yeah, man. <clears throat> so what? So so listen, we're 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 going down the street. All the whole group is going. I found my honey. So baby Gap is flipping. He's supposed to flip, right? So he's flipping, and so when I back up, <laughs> I don't like where this he comes going. right down on the top of my head with his flip. <laughs> Boom! And man, uh, man, I was just out. I was I was more embarrassed. I was more embarrassed that I hit this concrete than anything. And so it's was, still on the video? I don't know. They, they didn't care, but it was on the news. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was on the news because the news cameras there because we had shut the street down. And okay. so the news was there. and uh, They caught it. They okay. caught it. And, I see. Um, 
But anyway, I, I remember laying there, uh, and I was like, and I watched everybody's feet come, but I was I was more embarrassed to get up than anything, so I just laid there. Wow. <laughs> so okay, there's 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 another song on the Gap Band Six record that I've been dying to know about, probably Boss Bill too, not Beep a Freak. I love Beep a Freak, by the way. Oh, you do that, dude. That was a Soul Train staple. That's, <laughs> that's, wow, that's my song. However, a very interesting song and an even more interesting video. Now, I had to do some purple investigation and <laughs> purple investigation and. Okay. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah, know yeah, I'm I know going with this, going. Uncle Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know where you're going. <laughs> I forgot it? about this until just now. Yes. Uh, so there's a song called Disrespectful. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, that has a very interesting video yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, depicting y'all killing the stage and this uh, rather uh, short height-challenged <laughs> height-challenged uh, rock star with a bouffant and his two big bodyguards. I completely forgot all about this. Acting disrespectful. Oh, I will never forget this video. <laughs> the second I saw Alan Leeds, I was like, yo, did Prince and Charlie Wilson ever have beef or something? Because what's the... <laughs> Have you ever seen the disrespectful video? I'm looking at it right now. It's right. it's like it's 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 animated. It's not even lyric. It's I don't even think there's lyrics to it. It's sort of like almost like they're they're let's take it to the stage song okay. where he's yeah, yeah, talking yeah. smack. And so I asked Alan Leeds, Prince's tour manager at the time, I was like, okay, so the song came out in '84. I said, did something happen between Prince and Charlie Wilson that made the song come up like disrespectful? And Alan couldn't remember. He's like, I don't know. It's maybe Charlie wanted to sing on stage with Prince or something. What is the, what is the origin of disrespectful? And can <laughs> I assume that it was directed at Prince? You had your chance, chance to dance to disrespect. You won't let me on. But so what happened? Well, <laughs> I love Prince, man. We all love Prince, and uh, and this is in hindsight. And this, this song, this song's thirty years ago. So yeah, it's uh, and so hey, man. Uh, See this beef we can talk about. Right, <laughs> all right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we always talked about. He's always like, "Man, this is my favorite band," and all of that. And and then once I saw him, how he treated some young kids, and and it was just like, how was it? I was like, "You're not going even. You're not going even take the picture, and you're not going." I was looking. I was like, "That's wrong." And then it was like I seen things happen, and I seen. It was like you walk past me and don't say nothing, and you are just like, and, I, and then we're supposed to do some stuff together, and and you change your mind, and it's like had me all hyped, and and it's like okay, so it's like I gotta get at you. I got I gotta go on, on cut you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to cut you now, see, because I know you, I know you, I'm about to cut you now, see, and so you know, and then somebody from my clique. Uh, some crew members. Uh huh. He called, at, I think my room or something, and some crew members answered the phone. I had already left, and and they said something that was to him that was not right. And I uh. fired those guys because when they said what they said, I fired them right on the spot. But they shouldn't have said that, and I think he might have took offense to that too. Okay. So and um. Hey man, <clears throat> I, but Always anyway, it was like, but it's just we never not 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 got along, right? Um, and he was uh, just 
like Stevie always tells me, yo, you got the big head. <laughs> so, so, but anyway. I, Y'all never I, had a come to Jesus moment either, though. No, no not yeah. not really. I mean, I, we could have. Mm-hmm. We could have. But at the time, I was I was in my disease of, of getting high and, um, and um, uh, it's like, and, and he was waiting on me, and, <laughs> and I said, I'm coming, I promise you. <laughs> wow. Aww, yeah. I don't want to I'll be there. Are you coming for real? Tell him I'm coming. I, I, I'm on my way. I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> five minutes Another later, I'll be, be there in five, five minutes. minutes. <laughs> I'll be there in five minutes. So five minutes turned into whatever. So when I did get there, he was already gone. And, and so got me back. So when we played Glam Slam, I said, Prince coming down. I said, okay. <laughs> I forgot about when I was getting high, but I was sobered in, so I'm right. waiting. And I think he probably thought I was doing it on purpose. That was not on purpose. It's like, hey. So wow. I sit there, looked out the door, the body go up, still there with his headphone. I said, it's coming. I said, yeah, he coming. He's notorious for that, though. Yeah. So finally, I looked out the hallway and gone. Everybody was going in the building. I was like, then I thought back. Like uh, ten years ago, I was like, "Ah, you got pay me." Back. Okay, pay back. <laughs> okay. And so I never got a chance to talk to him. I sent messages to him about it after I was sober so many years. Hey, man, that wasn't done on purpose, man. You know, I that's a lot. part of the process, right? Uh, if you're yeah, kind of sober, I mean, you post them. Yeah, amends. yeah. So hey, and then yeah. But anyway, I I will leave him alone right now because I got cut up talking about him one time. His fans told me up, so I don't want to go back through that. I'm alive. I, I, I testify and tell people that I'm always on drugs and. Right. And that that uh that's why I'm alive. I remember you uh it was this was a couple years ago when Casey and Jojo had uh their reality show mm-hmm. and you were talking to them just about sobriety and you Absolutely. told them straight up just like listen, this is gonna you're gonna be out on tour and it's gonna be someone offering you a drink and you ain't gonna be able to say no. You're not gonna be able to turn it down. How have you cause at the time when the when we met, this was years ago at the Grammys in twenty ten and you were performing at the pretels and when uh this is when my band the Foreign Exchange was nominated. And we met real briefly and then you performed at the pretels and killed it. And I remember at the end you was like, you know, I beat prostate cancer, I beat twenty years sober, like yeah. you was just going in. So how have you, you know, enabled to tour and everything? How what is that daily walk of sobriety like for you? Well, I got my wife with me, so she's um She's rehab. <laughs> Plain and simple. And so we we uh we just like and, and for so many years, she was uh I guess known as the enemy. And uh because she was just stopping. It don't matter. Family, people don't matter. Mm-mm, How long mm-mm. have you guys been married? Twenty two. Wow. Every single day, twenty four hours a day. We were together. But it's like it's like when she told me she would be with me, you know, and whatever, no matter what. That that I was young when I was heard those those words, but you know, within uh, young being like wanting to be in love with somebody for real love. You so so uh, when I finally got it, I understood it, and so I just let her have the way of whatever it is. You know, hey man, uh-uh. who is that? Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. there's no backstage. Uh-uh. I don't care who it is. Uh-uh. So. And so people used to come and sneak things and hide them in my hand. I'm like, man, I don't get high no more. I heard that, but why are you putting it in my hand if you heard that? You know. So after that, she heard me say that. So she she cut everybody. Didn't matter who it was, kids, no matter. No. Mm-mm. That's love. Right? So, That's vital. Yeah. Now y'all writing because am I tripping or is she writing songs? You guys write songs together she now. Do, she writes. Because on the new record, me. she's like every song. Yeah, she's writing with me now. She's like, because I sometimes I have problems, of, you know trying to figure out what I want to say and she's she has 
some things to say and she writes them for me and and like if I'm singing vocals or something and um I'm coming and I'm 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 going down, I'm getting my things going, I'm I'm really I'm getting going into it. As far as I'm concerned, then I look up and she's talking to the engineer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm like, dude, you're not stopping. So you push the button, hey, man, we got to start over. I'm like, start over, man, you serious? She's like, hey, man, hey, talk to your wife. She said you ain't putting it down right. <laughs> you that's ain't good. going hard enough. So I'm like, wow. That's your better half right there. That's your better half. So that was the first time when I first heard that, I was like, wow. So can I just get warmed up first? I'm just getting warmed up. She's like, no. That ain't right. You're going to sing, you sing. So. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So obviously, as, as music fans and geeks that we are, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about with you, you know, these are like the highlights of our lives. But I mean, for every person's highlight, that could have been your personal hell. How, you know, I, I've, I've, I've read the, the, the part of your life when you, you were homeless and all, like how, how does it get to that point where it's just like, like what was that first night like, that first night like for you when? Well, first of all, you don't probably, you don't think that you're homeless because you might be at somebody's house smoking all night or you might be somebody, you're just there in some, some, some spot, you know what I'm saying, you there. And then, then the next day, you ain't even. You're like, 
Uh, I have nowhere to go. I left that spot, so I ain't got where I'm going to go. So you just there. And because of who you are, you could be there. Uh, you follow me? So it don't even register that you're home. You don't register that yeah. way until you feel guilty and you're going to leave out of there. Right. Now, if you leave out of there, now where you going? So now at nighttime, you could probably get in any of those doors. Dope doors, dope pimps, who's ever doors. Mm-hmm. Because they know who I am. Right. And so... And after you, you think you can wear your welcome out then, then you go somewhere else. And then pretty soon, uh, at the end of the day, then where you going? Because I didn't move by day. It was about nine night, you know. Okay. And so, and so if you left there, then where you going? So after you found, you found some cool place to lay down and nobody's looking at you, so that's where you did it. Or if somebody was homeless and they had some perfect spot in b- between some shopping carts and, and lay, put that brick there and put a little piece of carpet and they said go in there and put stuff around it so nobody could see it was me in there and that's that's where I slept. And how does it go from, because we, we spoke briefly off air when you were saying how y'all weren't really making a lot of money off the total experience stuff. So, a lot of money. Well, none. Oh, sorry. Money. <laughs> no money. <laughs> uh, but so was this was pretty much the only source of income just from touring and shows. I had no income. Wow. Mm. So not even the sampling of outstanding. Back like, in the day, no, we didn't have no income. We had no income. There was no income. So, Jesus. Wow. Man, I see. Wow. Well, life lessons. I will read the fine print. Uh, one question I have for you was uh, in regards to like covers of your songs. When people cover your stuff, um, two of some of my favorite Gap Band songs I've discovered through the cover, and then I went back and heard the original. And uh, Mary, Mary J, she covered "I'm in Love." I'm in love, yeah. And then Jagged Edge, they covered "Wednesday Lover." Uh-huh. What did you think of those covers? I thought they were great, but what do you, as the songwriter, what hey, did you think? It's like it's uh, was. It, it made me feel proud. I mean, when another generation is recording your records, I was just really happy about the fact that, that uh, and then Mary sold, I don't know, a million or two records off of that, that albums. And so my brother, he was the primary writer, so he was happy. And uh, <laughs> because uh, they actually, he got paid. But um, right. at that time, some kind of way he was doing his thing. And uh, But um, uh, hey, Jagged Edge, of course, that was another group that was, had I had I guess inspired, so I was happy about that that somebody was recording our records. I mean, I couldn't re-record those records. I mean, like I said, they were already done. You don't go back and redo your own records. I just didn't feel that way, unless you was doing it for um, uh, uh, publisher uh, the, the 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 ownership of the songs. You could record them and just they are now they belong to you. You know, so the re-recorded version. Yeah, but. I, I I was I was I enjoyed man. I was glad that people were doing it. I you know I wasn't angry at all. In two thousand four, I think it was two thousand four. You covered Less Chill. Yeah, I, I love fooling people with that. When I do my slow jam joint, I put it on, and they're like, "Wait, I don't remember his." I know Aaron's this, but I don't know this. this. Right, right. Well, the reason I did it is because he had done Yearning that one time. They yep. did Yearning. He did I Yearning. Like, I, I like this is one of my favorite records, so I'll do this one, and um, I just did it. Do you have, like, because I know you've done a lot of features. Do you have, number one, have you said no? And is there requirements in your mind to what you will not do? Uh, um, <laughs> I, I've been pretty, I, I've stayed uh, in my lane pretty much. Um, meaning, uh, 
you know, R&B, adult contemporary, and, and that lane is, you know, I paved the way of some what nobody was really, you know, before um, that lane was just really like being used a lot. Now I think we came in there and just busted the place up. And uh, so I've been very happy there. And uh, But I don't think I would just be trying to do a hip hop record. Okay. So um, although I've sang on a lot of hip hop records, mm -hmm. but Charlie Wilson, I don't think I would be doing no hip hop record or something for some 12 year olds. I can't, what is that for me? Right, that's okay. Like, I won't do that. So you none know of the sleepy like oh, I was like, wait a minute. Be well, I'm, I'm thinking. Well, I was, <laughs> I was young then. I was young, <laughs> like, okay, okay, I was young I then. I was a kid, but I'm basically, but. But it won't be no young thug Charlie Wilson like No, nah, we're not doing that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't cross that line and to try to, to do do it for what? You know, just like to disappoint the fans that buy the physical sales all the time for me or download a stream for me. They I mean, why would I do that? Now I would go and sing with Anime or, you know, uh, you know, Tyler the Curator or just, you know, because they asked me to come sing on some records. I'll do that. And 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 basically their, their fans are buying their, their their records. Not my fans ain't going to try to look for and Tyler. Look for Tyler. Right. Exactly. See what I'm saying? So in that moment, I'm gonna be what Tyler want me to be at that moment. So whatever, whatever I'm singing, whatever it is, then that's what we're doing together at that moment. How, so he's how, underground anyways. He got his own right, following. Right, that's what I was about to say. So he's he's, on, he's got his own right. following. He's so, doing records you know. with Roy Ayers and you. So. <laughs> so how surreal is it to, I mean, you've done something that not many rappers have been able to do. You've actually transcended generations yes. of hip-hop artists. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Doing the stuff with Snoop and 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 Death Row family then and now, even twenty five years after that, still going strong with stuff on Kanye's record and and working Pharrell, the, uh, yeah Pharrell, the Snoop, a uh, uh, girl, not girl, um, that girl. Bush, the Bush album, and Bush, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, how how surreal is? Are you ever surprised now when you get a call like? From a nineteen-year-old, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was—I've turned a few of them down. I was like, "Man, I, no." I was like, "They said, but he's up and coming." I said, I, "I'm up, still up and coming, but I'm not going to be—I'm not coming over there." <laughs> so it's just like, just give me a minute to just take a moment to relax and breathe, and let me see what it is that this guy's doing, this kid's doing. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to be the hook guy uh, for every up and coming guy. So it's like, you know, I—I I mean, I'll. I'll I mean, I, I gotta understand what the worth is here, and 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 for people who say, "Man, you just would you do it for me?" And then now when they ask me, "Would I do it for me?" Then I I think about, okay, what I'm lending to them. I was like, this would be great for the kid, and he wants to. It's something he gonna never forget, and that's the reason why I say yeah. Because if I go to a room where a 19 year old kid and her and his her mama or his mama always talked about me and they listen to all the records that I've done with Kanye or Pharrell or Snoop uh -huh. or you know or, uh, whoever you know Master P back in those days whoever it was you know so they get a chance to have that same thing so I, then I start obliging because I, I would think about what I felt like when somebody was to turn me down right and so that's the reason why I go. This is also and a good problem it. to have though. Yeah. It's a good problem to have because if they don't call you at all, then then where you be? <laughs> do right. you do you now feel as though you're in somewhat of endangered species territory because singing right now isn't really a factor in black music now, right? Because I mean, Talent, if, you thought, if you thought the talk box was cheating and auto tune is, yeah, you know what I mean, <laughs> like what is that? Then talent. <laughs> I mean words. Don't I mean <laughs> just basic things. Melody, <laughs> right, right. structure. Harmony. Don't mean nothing anymore. Yeah, it's it's 
it's almost as if it's kind of like the things fall apart story where the, the warrior, the very skilled warrior comes back comes to his home. homeland and don't even recognize it. Sees that, you know, it's it's changed. So, I mean, do you now feel do you sent do you do you sing with a sense of purpose that like there's only a few of us left. There's you, there's Ronald Isley, there's Stevie. Stevie, I mean how, how do you how do you feel just in terms of your craft and where it stands now in 2016? Whereas personally, you're fine, but just as the an, an art and a craft itself, and where where singing and the traditional black singing is concerned, might be. An endangered species. Like, do you have thoughts about that? And- well, I have never, I haven't really, really thought about it in that way. But I do, I do, sing to protect the brand. I protect my brand and protect the the, the R and B vibe of of of, of my, my life. That's what it is, and R and B. I I sing to protect that. And for those who are who can't get that done, then I'm the only one out here doing it, and so I have to protect it. And and I uh, I go hard every time I go and may try to make sure I'm correct. With it, and uh, not to try to to let the the the, the our, our community down of 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 R and B and and what it is. And you haven't, trust me, you haven't. Man, <laughs> you haven't let us down. I, I you know, I I just I I'm just trying to protect the brand, man. It's my brand first, and then and then of course you know, I know how it is, what it is now, this day, even uh, compared to like a couple of years ago, a few years ago, or ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's totally different now. And if you're not smart enough to to um, to grasp whole what's going on now, man, you're gonna definitely be left behind. And so, hey, man, streaming is in. And and you know, come on, man, anybody over forty years old, fifty years old ain't streaming. Basically, <laughs> they they screaming, but they ain't streaming. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so what are they streaming? They ain't, they, they're not even there. They barely getting. They, they giving it stuff to their granddaughter to to, to, right. to put show this show me how to do it. Show me how to do this. Come on, man. This is the technology is moving fast, and if you're not moving fast with the technology and things where things are being Left done, behind. I mean, I have a number one gospel record now uh, because of the way things are done. Right. Uh, I, I, I was number one uh, with Tia. Uh, uh, that's I'm blessed. It's, it was number debuted yeah. at number one, and you got these gospel. Some of these gospel artists been on the charts for 29 weeks they're peaking at number four and then I debut at number one hello so is it safe to there say on the back of his question that if you when you are working with certain R&B or soul artists that they must be the shit thing because then you look at Layla Hathaway you pick Layla you yes. pick Robin Thicke yes. so in your mind these are people who to you might be on that line of longevity no I, I only picked those people because they always wanted to sing with me and okay. I just never gave I never had the time to put them on and so when I was making these records I started naming the people to say ask me what I sing with them and so that's what I did and I so you still got a little bit of a list left too then I'm sure oh, uh, yeah because uh, a lot of people have we got, ain't I, done the, the the Charlie Wilson Reeves collaboration I haven't got to that point yeah it's 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 like it's, it's I have I have a lot a lot of people I still want to work with. It's like I've I asked I asked Quest. He just I don't know if you heard, he just said we ain't got Charlie the roots, Wilson Charlie roots. Wilson. Yeah, that's, I asked yet. him last when we did did uh Oh it's gonna happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> I asked him when we did when I did uh, the Fallon the last time. I said, man, we gotta get this record done. He said, You got it, we're gonna get that done. So he I haven't got done that yet. It, you got you gotta understand that the first time he came and sat in with us, mm-hmm. it, there wasn't even introductions. Like we were just rehearsing the songs like Recapitulating his songs, uh, and then he just stormed. Like he stormed in our room like the Kool Aid Man, like through the wall, <laughs> and just grabbed the. 
Give me that goddamn microphone. It was something like that, yeah. Yes, it was. You came in like the Kool-Aid, but it wasn't even. No, because you got to understand, you know, the way they play, and this room is small, and when I walked in, it was, no, Bernardo, you should you should hear how it sounds. Oh, we've been in there. Man, everything is, it would sound like a freaking record up in there. You know, I'm like, hey, man, let me, I got right on top of that. I was like, hey, you know. the engineer in there? To be like, shut up. Sounds so good. Sounds so good. man. Sound like a record. That joker had that thing sounding good. It ain't no lie. He do, he have it sounding so good up in there. I got to go on give him some props on that. And, uh, and uh, you know, you know, all those guys, you know, Quest got all those guys, man. Those guys is playing up in there. They're not fooling around. Thank you. And um, and so to hear that back like that, and they don't have a vocal on it yet. I just went in, not even warming up, but a little bit warming up downstairs and uh and down the hall. And I just went in on it. And so, and he's re- already recording, and then uh and yeah. he hadn't said, get that. So it was, it was the greatest entrance of all time. <laughs> there was no first name Charlie, last name Wilson. It was straight up. <laughs> uh, I always was curious about um, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. And the records that you did. Yeah, I'm Gonna Get You Shut Sucker. And uh, You're So Cute. I really like oh. that joint. Like, Never ever felt like you before. So how did that come about? How did you well, guys work on it? We were in, uh, we was in the studio and... Um, Ooh, I forgot the, about the that. I'm going to get your sucker movie was going, and uh, they asked us to do, could we do this soundtrack? But then they said, you only have a few hours. Oh, good God. What? Oh, yeah, man. It was like, it's like, okay, we want you to do it. But I said, they don't really want us to do that, man. So you got like two hours to do it. Thinking you was, say no? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, we said, they probably say, well, you, they can't do it. Right. When this one's about, this one over here on drugs, they, they're not going to be able to do it. Everybody said, get the gap in. It's like, because, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Wayne brothers, they, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, get the gap in, you know, to do right. it. They said, well, okay, but give them two hours to do it. Good I said, God. be back. And I was like, we started on the vibe. I was like, be back. Be back in two hours. And so, boom. I'm going to get you so good. You're dirty, dirty mama. mama. Don't, don't say that. What did she say? Oh, she shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Hold on, bro. Hold on, bro. So, I mean, when they came back within an hour, the guy was like, are you kidding me? It's like, no, man, push play. And then it was like, I didn't really mind. I just turned around and walked off because I knew that you was, you're trying to, you know, you trying to. Underestimate you. And, uh, and uh, underestimate me, man. Uh, so, me and my brothers was like, let's get the thing done. And then. The next record, I said, can you give me another record? You don't know, no time frame on it. Can you give me another record? I was like, yeah. I went at, I was at the house there and had the studio inside the front room. And then, and I wanted to play Moog again so bad. You know, that thing. I wanted mm-hmm. to play and, um, you know. I, You're so uh-huh, cute. Yeah, hey. Never ever find, you know. So I, 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 we did that one and, and hand that one in, and it was like we love them both. And so, just give me my damn money. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah. before we stop, I totally forgot. We didn't mention Mercedes Boy. Oh, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What was what was that experience like? Because I initially thought Ellie and Face did it when, and I forgot that you were you wrote that. Was she your artist first or? <laughs> that's like, mine. And we thank you for another episode. <laughs> thank you. And 
There's so much yeah. in that smile. Damn. So much. Well, I, I got to figure Damn. that out. Yeah. I did. I'm sorry. I just thought it was a great song. Listen to my no, sound. That was a great song. People. and we That did was it. your first pop? I mean, was yeah. that your first top 10? Yeah. And then, uh, and then you know, Bass was, was so cool. And then after she had went there, right. I caught pneumonia. What? I caught pneumonia. And uh, I went down. And then she had met them. And then she was. So she was initially your artist. Well, we were. Yeah, yeah, at the time. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. so, and then. So you intended on producing that whole record? I, I produced the whole album. I okay. did produce the yeah. whole album. The only thing they put was Girlfriend, uh, Girlfriend yeah. and, and, and another record that Andre Simone had one on there, too. That was it. Okay. No I shade, but Babyface said it was another whole big dude. Not that, I'm just, just it was a big, she had another, never mind. As, Pebble, yeah, she, had, was, she was popular. I knew, so. I knew he was. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. I, Yo, I the probably, eye roll okay, on Fry okay. Tigalo right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was so unnecessary. Like, yeah, she went from that to the banker. I was for the people because they heard the banker. And- yeah, the banker was after me. Yeah, you know. Eye rolling right now is everything to <laughs> me <laughs> right now. That was so unnecessary, man. Sorry. <laughs> Why he just killed any chance we had of getting Pebbles on the show? Right. It's, it's over now. <laughs> she listen. Thank you. So, yeah, so you did that record. You did the um, yeah, I did the, the whole record. I did the whole album. Have we... Any death row questions? Oh, any? well, yeah, I was, yeah, The Dog Father. Like, how? Oh, man. Because you was all over that album. That's, and to me, that was when, I guess, I won't say comeback, but I mean, because that wasn't a very successful record for Snoop, but that was It was for great, me. though. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, shout, shout out to Boss Bill for even bringing that back into my parameter, because I think none of us gave The Dog Father nah. a chance. Because of like, Coming oh, after dog Dre's not doing this. All right, I ain't yep. giving it a chance. Because yeah. Dre wasn't on it, and because Snoop like consciously turned down the whole gangster element of the record. So right, and it was it was. And late, I went back to album. it. It's a great record. Yeah. It's, oh, not it's, bad. A, it's a really great record. And I was like, man, Charlie, all over this. He's singing his ass off. So yeah. How did you you guys hook up at that time? Well, me and Snoop was with, uh, and of course, you know, we were close, and um, um. I met him in 95, mm-hmm. 95, 96, and I was, just around that time, I was just getting clean, sober, and, and the I was just been in his life since then, but while I was getting sober, while I was sober, and, and just, you know, my new life, I'm living out this new life in the beginning parts of it, I'm with him and, and uh, my wife. Snoop, I'm a, a Snoop. I'm sorry, you guys can't smoke that around my. I was wondering what she did when he came around. I'm wondering. I'm sorry, what she, he was like, "What?" It's like you got to put that out. Everybody, that was Park. Everybody, she made everybody put it out. He's not coming in there. You got to put it all out. So, uh, just a beautiful thing. So we, um, I was there, and, and I just started singing with him, and um, of course, um, I just took over where. Um, Nate Dog, you know, left off, and basically, you know, it was um, that whole thing was falling apart, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, me and Nate was to do to do a record together that never happened. What? Oh, that yeah. would have been great. <clears throat> wow. We wow. never got a chance, and he asked me like a couple of few times, and I was like, okay, let's do it. Uh, I was, of course, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to start working now, and of, uh, uh, and I didn't get a chance to get back over there fast enough. And uh, um, we talked on the phone. I said, we're going to do it. Let's do it next week. Uh, and he said, okay. Then he had a stroke. Damn. Wow. I missed that, man. I, I missed that dude. He was very, and he had some great ideas of how we could do it, too. And it was would have been the bomb. His vocal sound and my yeah. vocal sound, it would just been like. Are there any other collaborations that we could have? I did. I, I was. 
really? Tupac that was there and when the day I was in the studio and I think <clears throat> he had just mentioned my name with like three seconds and I opened the door. And when they turned around, everybody was jumping up and down and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm looking around and he was like, I just called your name just now. If Charlie Wilson was here, we could fuck this place. And then and I and I was like, he said, I got this idea, listen to it. And I was like, wow, that's one of mine. He was like, yeah, yeah, we're flipping it. And he said, can you do this? And I was like, yeah, but I, I'm here with Snoopy in three minutes. I can't do it in three. And I said, I'll do it. Right. And I went over there with Snoop and 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 uh again it could that, happen that couldn't after that again then Pac got killed. Damn. And you know, after that. Wow. So So what's the future for Uncle Charlie Wilson? Do you like us when we call you Uncle Charlie Wilson? That's good. Man. I feel Uncle like you're everybody's Uncle, Uncle man. Charlie, man. Yeah, yeah. Uncle yeah. Charlie, yeah. All right, well Yeah, okay. it's okay, man. Uh, I listen, Quest man, I just I'm just so blessed to be here at now of what I'm doing now. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I'm the only guy that's ever come out of a group that late to try to do something solo because everybody turned me down. Right. And they was like, dude, come on. Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. But, I mean, that was really where it's way past the actual, you know, of trying to do something that I thought would happen. Right. And it ended up happening anyway. And I've been having number one since then. And since 2017 already, so every year I was putting out a record. So uh, almost, you know. So, but but it's, I I don't know what's 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 for me next, man. I just I just thank God. I just go from day to day, and and uh, my management, P Music Group, Michael Perrin, led by him, and mm. and um, you know, it's just you know and Sonia Muckle and my and and that whole staff and and Michael and everybody is just doing things for me and and I just get up when they put it together I get up and go do it now I would love to do this movie you know the movie and uh and so I could tell all the other stuff that I didn't sell in the book and the other <laughs> stuff that I didn't say today it's just like it's so much it's so much to this to me and and that I haven't got a chance to 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 say and and get out of my spirit and and uh, not just to cut my own face off or whatever, but hey, the truth is the truth. And so, if I'm gonna tell the truth on you, it can help somebody. I'm tell the uh, truth on me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. right. You see, so but I'm not like to point the finger. I'm just gonna tell the truth and just have, and it's gonna some of that's gonna make me look bad. Hey, can't make me. I can't make me look bad because I'm looking too good right now. So <laughs> <laughs> you're looking good, Uncle. Yeah, Trump. I'm looking good. So I can't make me look bad. Yes, indeed. Do you have children? You have uh, kids? Man, them ain't kids. I'm grown folk. But they grown now. Right? <laughs> they ask you for that jacket on the cover of that new album. Uh, how many? How many? They ask me for cars. And shit. They ain't ask me for no damn jacket. They ain't ask me for shit. They like, want houses and cars and shit. I'm like, hey. God damn! Yeah. Give my brother a break. <laughs> how, how old are they? How old are you? Man, kids? they old. So old that he can't stay their age, and he get in trouble. All right. No, I'm just saying. Well, how no. are you doing? They, 30, they might be older than thirty. Okay, they're okay. young man. They're young, but um, well, but you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm look, I look at them. I look at their kids. I'm like, what you want? Come on. Gotcha. Now I give you what you want. Can they sing too? Uh, one of my daughters could sing, and she just never did. And, uh, okay. Uh, and, and the other one just tone deaf, and they act like oh, she can sing. Oh, Wilson, she tone deaf. Wilson, she swear. I can't. I tone deaf. Wilson, I'm sorry. That's like a that's like a that's like a dark skin to bars. And, and she swear. She swear now. She's singing. I'm like, oh, I don't know. 
Oh, daddy. I'm like, okay, okay. You can say it, baby. You know, shit. That shit's worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You just killed me right there with the dark skin. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, thank so. you, Uncle Charlie, for doing man. our show. Yes. Yes. Yo, shut up. It's been a dream, Life man. Goals. Thank you. Thank man. you. Man. Should we even do reflections? I mean, I think just put an episode the way he ended yeah, up. Yeah, 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 that's it. You know what I'm saying? I can't look bad because I'm looking too good. That's a life quote right there. <laughs> that is. Well, on behalf of Fontigolo, uh, Laia, Boss Bill, Unpaid Bill, and Sugar Steve, and the great Charlie Wilson, this is Questlove of Quest of Supreme signing off. We'll see you on the next go round. Thank you. Yeah. And when we do this goddamn Roots and Charlie Wilson project, we ain't gonna see y'all next time until we do this fucking record. Talk to him. Talk to him. Yes, Uncle Charlie. Yes, Uncle Charlie. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.